just want to thank everyone out there who's showed their support towards the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. And if you've got any mates out there who've uh, got a few proper true yarns and uh, or someone who you know who's a mad dog who might want to come on and spin a few to us, uh, send it through. And uh, if you do one favour for me that would be absolutely incredible, click on the proper true yarn podcast, go to your settings of that and uh, hit auto download because we all know how uh, terrible the phone service in Australia is and I hate the old episode be cut short due to um, terrible phone service. So if you get that auto downloaded, um, we'll be all good to go and there'll be no interruptions. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Did that really fucking happen? This ripper bloke called Knuckles, some call him the big knuck, spinning stories tall and true that'll make you say, holy fuck, the cities to the outback on the highway or the farm, crack a cold one with Knuckles and tell us a proper true yarn. Welcome back to the Proper True Yarn Podcast, the show which we extract the wildest and the best yarns from the best people in the world and fucking motorbikers, holy dooly damn mate, um. Just uh, alleviating before that you might have an untold yarn from when you were working in the West. Coming to the town I come from, Bensdale, uh, a lot of oil industry people come out of there and uh, so my father was in the oil industry. We followed that. Uh, my friends and myself, we went over, finished up in West Australia, quite a few of us. I worked over there on a construction barge. It was called the, the Hugh Gordon and we built um, or we were working on the North Rankin platform. We put what they call the gravity anchor system on the platform and put these huge uh, turbine engines on the side of the platform to recompress uh, water back into the empty gas pockets, etc. And alongside us, uh, we were parked alongside the North Rankin platform and alongside us was a, a Navy ship called the Stalwart, which uh, was always within area to us. They'd come in and got supplies and so on and they just kept an eye on the whole show. But on board that, on the platform itself and the North Rankin platform, there was a group of people on there that weren't happy about certain conditions and so on and uh, they uh, they decided one night, they, got, well, they went on strike and uh, the barge pulled away and they got up on the platform and inside the platform they deluged it. That means they shut the platform in, which is a really, really big no-no. And uh, these guys got up in the helipad and laid in the helipad so the choppers couldn't land, they couldn't get in there, so it was a big Mexican standoff. And these blokes got up on top of the platform and they, they showered the barge. We were parked along down the bottom alongside. They threw stuff on board, eggs and you know, no big deal, I suppose, eggs, but I hit an egg from 300 feet. That doesn't, that's not nice. But um, other stuff, they threw, but it got out of control. The whole thing got out of control, so they brought in the army. Were you protesting? No, Were you no. on strike? You're, you're in the choppers <clears> throwing no, the no, eggs? I'll <laughs> supply the eggs. <laughs> but the... Uh, now, I was on a construction barge tied alongside the platform, which we pulled away. Yep. And uh, the, all the trouble was on board the platform, the North Rankin. So I remember this night they brought the army in there and uh, these guys, uh, they couldn't land the chopper first up because the people they landed on the, laid on the helipad and so on, they couldn't get in there. So uh, they went away and, uh, and uh, got together and sorted out and they come back in and they just rappelled off the choppers on the helipad with sticks. And they melted the shit out of these blokes. It was unreal. Yeah, right. Yeah, they sealed them down through. They come from the top, they come to the bottom like rats. They were running in front of these blokes, just stormed the platform, shut the whole show down. And back in those days, it was a pretty big thing. It was a huge platform. These guys are just basically workers and uh, they took control of it. When, when you say how big was the platform, mate? It was huge. The North Rankin platform, North Rankin A in, in northwest Australia, there's... 
probably the, one of the first biggest gas platforms out there and supplied gas to probably West Coast of Australia for years. It's still there. I think they have a North Rank and B. There's been a while since we've been there. And there's a heap more platforms we've built there since around the area. Yep. Uh, big gas area. But uh, that was a little show that came on there. But it was funny because it's, uh, like I say, the barge I was on was called the Hugh Gordon and the uh, Navy boat hanging around there with us uh, backed us up was the stalwart. The mate of mine was the foreman on board. He used to get on the radio and call up there, uh, huge organ, huge organ, calling the stale wart. Come in, stale wart from the huge organ. <laughs> All these bastards didn't like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So we had to meet the next morning. The boss came over there. They sat down. He can't talk like that, you know. It's not on, mate, you know. You can... But that didn't change anything. Hell of a show. Um, we had the superintendent on there. was a great guy, an American bloke, and uh, we had... Uh, Stop, stop parties. <laughs> we had a party, uh, end of job type party, and uh, one of our foremen on there, great bloke, went into town and they had it, and uh, the boy said, Bring back some beer. And he said, Well, how much do I bring? And they said, Well, what we'll do is we'll, uh, the code is this um, if for every, if we ask you uh, for a bottle, so a slab, a slab, uh, that means it's one bottle of sauce. So we ring up and ask you, Bring us back a bottle of sauce, uh, that's a slab comes back on the boat, no worries. So night the boat pulled in, the boys said, yeah, this boat's got about 20 bloody slabs on board. And um, my mate said, you know, Slim, he said, tell me, uh, what happened here? He said, well, you wanted, a, you wanted a slab for every bottle of sauce and you called up and said you wanted 20 bottles of sauce. <laughs> the boat called up was pissed, I think, you know, and they, they buggered it up somewhere, but anyhow, we had 20 bottles, we had 20 slabs and we got, we got juiced up, no worries about that. Right, and Yeah, on board the ship and uh, it was back in those days, it was a no-no, but yeah. it happened, we did it. And uh, it turned into a night. I think that night was a little bloke in a room. I had an argument with a bloke in a room and he gave me a black eye, little bastard, and uh, so on and so forth. Good times. They were always uh, it was hard work, hard yakker, but in the end we were very lucky. Most of the people we worked with, uh, the superintendents, the bosses and so on, were all good people. And back in those days you'd do it. These days are total no-no. So you're working a two-on-two two roster? What what roster were you on? Well, I think we're on two-on-two two then, yeah. Two-on-two. Two. And, yeah. and then on your days off, mate, would you go into town? or Because they reckon the, the West back then, she is pretty wild sort of place to, to Yeah, we're, we're like dogs off chains. We're straight into town, get on the turps, and that's the way when we'd go for it. Uh, it's been times. So I've seen stuff happen there. The night to get to the pub, you drink all night and miss the planes and miss the plane again the next day. <laughs> And so on. Uh, fights, you know, we'd go and see the raunchy girls. The boys went hard at it. They went really hard at it. It was, uh, it was good times. Worked hard and play hard. Worked hard and play hard. And it's a story with the offshore industry all over the world, I guess, uh, all the blokes I know. Yep. But then I'd go home for my two weeks off and um, had some out- <laughs> outrageous drives home uh, in hire cars, etc. get into Melbourne at 3 o'clock in the morning and get a hire car and... and uh, I remember a mate of mine one night, he got in there at 3 o'clock in the morning, an older bloke, local fella, and he said that he rang up and organised a high car and they said, John, we don't have any high cars, but what we'll do is, is, is we've got a brand new car coming in an hour, it's got to be back in a place called uh, Trolgan by uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but it's not really a high car, but you're such a good person, we'll, we'll uh, give you this car, but it's got to be back at this time. If we can get it at Trolgan, another guy will bring it back. We said, right. So we jumped in and we headed off from there. And I was driving and we got out of a place called Druin. It was about quarter to eight in the morning. We stopped outside a bottle shop, licensed grocery, waited open, and my mate went and got a, got a slab of uh, UDLs, Uzo, Uzo on cakes. Away we went. 
He was a smoker, heavy smoker. So he cruised down there back to Trolgan. Well, he lit up smokes and there. He knocked his cans of ooze over. And the car was one of those little Mazda. was a lights fall up the front sports car. It's only brand new, beautiful car, beautiful car. Yep. We were supposed to look after it. Well, the only thing, he made a cigarette gun, he burnt the ceiling, he burnt the roof line, <laughs> he, burnt the, he burnt the seat, he burnt the carpet. There was a couple of cans of vodka tipped on the floor, you know, it smelled like a Greek restaurant. We got that troll, so he hit it right up the end and come back and the guy said, did you fuel it up? Yeah, we fueled it, mate, and we bailed out. And his wife come and picked us up and away we went. Well, I felt sorry for those poor buggers because, like, that car was a brand-new car. And I said, the only, only place you ever burnt a hole was under the bottom of the seat. Yeah. It's actually the roof line and the dashboard. And Fuck. But that was, that was just another trip home. And uh, picked up hitchhikers. Uh, I remember one time I got home, I was a kilometre from my house, uh, Mount Taylor, and I actually fell out of the car on the side of the road and laid there. And the local bus driver come down and put me back in the car and they helped me up to drive into my house. I got home and the wife was there waiting, kids, beautiful. I was all beautiful, you know, made it home again. <laughs> Good times. But in my time off, I used to work. I, did, I didn't I did sit on my bum. I did all sorts of things. Uh, a lot of mates around town, concreters, you know, that type of thing, concreting or whatever. And uh, I worked very bloody hard in those days. Um, but uh, the good times were overseas. We lived overseas. I lived in Jakarta for a period of time. It was great over there. My boss was pretty switched on bloke and he had a, had a Mercedes Benz with a 350 Chev motor in it. So we tooled around there like a couple of bloody... Uh, Calls what you want. Yeah, great times, great times. There was never what, any shortage of money. Always had money. And, uh, and what were you doing in Jakarta, mate? I worked in the offshore construction industry, uh, construction barges, building building platforms, laying pipelines. Yep. Out of Jakarta, we went like in Surabaya. Actually, bought that particular barge. Uh, come down Australia at one stage, Malaysia, uh, southern Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your actual job or your title? What what, what did you do? I was a crane operator, Derek crane operator on there. We had these barges had huge cranes on them, single cranes. They'd crawl the cranes on the deck and they had big uh, five, six, six hundred tonne cranes um, or more. These days up around seven or eight thousand tonnes of these days. But uh, back then I did that for, for quite a few years, a lot of years. It was, was, uh, it was hard work, hard work, long periods offshore. You might go and do two, three months offshore. Um, then come home and uh, you might be home 10 days, they call you back where you go again. So my wife and family had a pretty hard life, I guess. I, was, I wasn't home that much. My wife ran a farm, looked after, looked after the kids and so on. The good times, but when I come home, great times. Great times I got home, we'd go up the bush, I'd hut up the bush. I remember one night we shot a mangy wombat and uh, <laughs> threw, it, threw it in the back of the ute. And we went up there this night and a bunch of people come up there to me hut and they lit a big bonfire up. And we had a bloke up there, his, his name was Martin. I hope you listen, Martin. He was a German cook. I said, what do you know about venison, mate? He said, oh, you know everything about venison, no problem. So I dragged out this wombat and made him on. We got it and he, he cut it up in slices. It was a mangy. Been, been back to youth for three days, the son. Cut, cut, cut the skin off it, cut up the slices and put it, he marinated it in a jar. So uh, that was all right. Then we lit up, lit up the barbecue and the bonfire and these people come out there and the people with their kids, you know, they come in. A lot of freeloaders come to places like this, you know, they always in for the drink and the tucker. So my mate got this out. I said to Martin, you've got some venison here, Martin. We'll whack it out here and see how you go. So we laid it out in a hot plate for him to eat. Well, these other people just, just seagulled it straight away, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that was all very well. But 
I said to me, my mate, these kids, I said, don't let the kids eat this, don't eat it, don't eat it, don't eat it. But they couldn't help themselves, a lot of them eat it. Well, the next day, old Martin eat it, and he, I said, what do you reckon about these? Oh, he said, this is the best venison I've ever eaten, Danny. This venison is beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> they spent the next two days in bed and so did half a dozen other people. You know. Crook. They were crook, but it bloody near killed them. Yeah. Dirty, rotten, mangy wombat, you know, that's... Uh, have you, have you eaten a non-mangy wombat? No, I don't eat wombats. <laughs> 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 All right. well, I had some great times up there. I remember one night as, uh, we had some good friends. You may, well, I'll drop a name here, a bloke called John West. Big quiz. He was Australian uh, quiz master. But yeah, him and his wife that lived there, and they were, they were school teachers. They were friends on the road. A lot of school teachers involved. So we decided to have a, a Mount Taylor Hall committee meeting uh, up at my place up, the, up in the bush, which we had. Everybody can't, they're really nice people, so, you know, just normal, genuine people. Well, I had this mad mate. He rolled up there in the middle of the night and uh, good bloke, you know, offshore he's a superintendent. On the land he was an alcoholic. He rolled up there and I told him a joke this night. I said, listen here, mate. I said, this is work. I said, what's the difference between a, you know, a gay and a refrigerator? And he said to me, oh, Lord, I don't know, mate. I said, well, you know, refrigerator no fart and you pull your meat out of it, you know. <laughs> And he took this on board. He could never get a joke right. He could never get a joke right. So that night he's up there and all these nice people are sitting at this table. <laughs> he walked up and he said, hey, you want to hear a joke? And I'm thinking, no, no, no. Oh, no. And he what's the difference? We are and a refrigerator. And this bloke I said, I don't know, John. What is it? Yeah, if it was refrigerator, don't fart when you put your meat in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Fifteen people looked at him. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> oh, then my wife said, "Get him out! Get him out! <laughs> Get him out!" And we got him out. He's passed away now. That poor bastard. Shit, he was a funny bugger. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.